In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. still interested it's a tv and film reboot remake podcast and this one is still interested shaken not stirred part three i think three I yeah 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 it, it, it only took two, uh, two tastes of connery before we had to shake it up a little bit so i think this is yeah, uh, it, part three look <laughs> you wouldn't want to stir it up so that's a good thing very good. We'll get back to why I was confused about the number in a moment, but let's let's introduce ourselves first. I am your uh, Q, not in the movie, Ben McAllister. I am your uh, traditionally Australian Jackson Usard. Very, very good. Very good. And who we have joining us who made a good joke already. <laughs> <laughs> I am your, that was my one punchline, Thomas Owen. <laughs> oh, here we are. Well, we're, we're in the studio. That's right. It's Thomas Owen. If you're an HTW lead listener, you know the man. Uh, he's, he's here. He's watched a movie with us. And you've done it, listener. You've found <laughs> the forbidden cursed episode. <laughs> uh, the reason I was confused about the number of these is, well... <laughs> We did kind of do another one of these Bond things. Uh, we, did, we didn't record anything into the digital space. We definitely did go through the torture of watching one of these films yeah. for no profit. Because <laughs> I listened to um, the second one just this oh, morning really? to warm up. Oh, wow. Uh, Dude, not how all long of it, have you like, been up? <laughs> well, I was listening to it like, on my way to get a okay. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Uh, but is there? have you done one in the meantime? No, so we, we recorded two of them. We definitely did do the original Casino Royale parody. Yeah. Which is a fucking, like, like the idea, was, basically, it was like, we'd probably have to go back and re-watch it, it has been so long, yeah. and the idea of re-watching exactly. that it's, it's untenable. Movie, it's completely <laughs> untenable. <laughs> I just don't not see it happening. No, it's, it's very bad. But hey, we're not here to talk to you about Casino Royale, a movie that we didn't end up recapping. We're here to talk to you about the perplexingly titled On Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's 1969, baby. The moon landing's happening, and George Lazenby's James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> summer of love, baby. A lot of a lot of big changes happening. <laughs> yeah, so shit. What did you, what did you guys think of this movie? Just real quick, just a, a general impression. When I realized it was Lazenby, I was like, "Oh, you motherfuckers!" Yeah, like because I, I didn't realize that's what you'd got me in for. Yeah, and then I was like, "Wait, no." And like, and then he's actually really good. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would say he's really good, but he's. I was expecting just the worst experience of my life, and it yeah. really wasn't. I I no, kind no. of enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I, I gotta say, so like, it, there were a lot of things about this movie I really, really liked. And like, we'll get to them in turn because that's literally what we do on this show. But, but like, there were also, to be fair, parts of it that were a bit of a slog. Yeah. <laughs> Namely, the yes, first, very the first forty-five minutes or so. <laughs> 
<laughs> before arguably the movie really starts. Yes, very fair. <laughs> Which is a perplexing decision. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. The first thing I noticed was the, like, very nearly 70s, like, edge of 60s, 70s take yeah. on the opening, where it's, like, this, like, electro synth that was so fucking <laughs> weird. This one looks bad. Like, we've seen some of the previous ones. I don't know, what movie, what number is this in the franchise? Jacko, you probably know that. Probably, uh, is it number six, I think? Man, can you believe at this point they'd already made five or six of these fucking movies? Sixth, yeah. That is crazy. They've made five of them. What's wild to me as well is that they're like, okay, no more Connery after you only live twice. And then, (laughs) and then, like, they get Lazenby in and then they're like, Alright, Diamonds Are Forever, he's back. Don't worry, he's back. Yeah. Like, And then obviously there's the the whole other Never Say Never Again. Which is in the fucking 80s, which is also Sean Connery, yeah, super yeah. weird. But, yeah. He comes back twice, Sean Connery, Bond. <laughs> but also, I don't understand why Lazenby gets so much shit. Like, I had never seen this movie before, but I didn't think it was bad. Like, he was channeling Sean Connery Bond, sure. Like, it wasn't the most original take on the character you've ever seen. But, like, yeah, I thought he did a passable job. I feel like well, he's I too think- middle ground. Like, mm. yeah, he just, he just exists through the whole film. <laughs> That's true. He definitely does exist. Yeah. I think as well, part of it is that like, um, <laughs> George Lazenby apparently decided like during the film that he's like, I'm not doing any more of these. And so everyone was like, what the fuck, George? And he was like, no, no, I'm not. And like rocked up, t- <laughs> rocked up to the fucking like premiere with like a beard and like shoulder length hair. And everyone was like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm not doing these anymore. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And so I think that I did probably... hear that, that he basically was just checked out of it. Yeah, exactly. I think his bad boy attitude in regards to that made people be like, well, fuck you, you're going to be a bad Bond. Because, like, genuinely, like, compared to some of the stuff in Goldfinger, which is regularly referenced as, like, one of the best, if not, like, the pivotal James Bond films, like, this film is fine comparatively. Oh, I agree. And there are a lot of things about it that are better than fine, that are really fucking good. Um, one thing I will note, to jump straight into the into the notes, is that... It's been seven years since Dr. No, and you can see that cinematography as an art form has evolved rapidly in those seven years, because there aren't so many, like, perplexing zooms and wipes as there were in those old-ass movies. Like, it feels a little more like a modern movie. Like, the editing's a bit goofy at times, but, like... One thing that I've definitely picked, like, at the start, is, like, this movie, well, I thought at the time, right, I ended up being mistaken, but I thought at the time this movie wasn't starting with some random irrelevant bullshit. Because it's literally, like, title card goes down, and now we're in M's office. And M's like, hmm, look at these radioactive shits. And there's someone else standing there, and they're like, hmm, yeah, we have to investigate this radioactive stuff. Let's get James Bond on it. And they're like, oh, Bond's busy. And I'm like, fuck, the movie's just starting. Like, it's gonna be about this radioactive stuff. Turns out it's not. (laughs) This is all... Random, irrelevant bullshit, but you know. And we jump from this to seeing why James Bond is is busy. And it's him, he's driving in an Aston Martin, he's wearing a hat, it's very shadowy, the film is very much like, ooh, who is it? Who is the new James Bond? Which is like, I think, kind of fun. This is what I meant by the cinematography, yeah, like, all these shots are like, it's his mouth smoking cigarettes, it's his hands on the wheel of the car. Like, it's it's cool, and it's like building suspense of like, yes, the audience knows, like, oh, there's a new James Bond, it's not Sean Connery, it's some dude called George Lazenby, let's see how he looks. 
But it is still the same Bond in that a beautiful woman uh, beeps at him and speeds past him. And so, of course, James Bond, which is his always his, like, push into a mission, he's like, well, I have to chase that lady. Dude, like, he's, he's literally just chasing him. a random girl that he doesn't know. Yeah, he's literally just like, oh, babe. <laughs> I gotta go after this babe. And he, like, chases her to the beach. He gets and out of his whips car. whips out the scot. Yeah. That's the yeah, creepiest the bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the fact that Harry's, like, an authentic vintage like pirating spyglass yeah. Yeah. in the glove box of his Aston Martin like it's pretty bullshit this scene has not aged well yeah. he, like, especially because like you're talking about how the cinematography has improved but as soon as he whips out his scope and starts looking through it I was just painfully aware of the fact that the scope was not centred with the camera <laughs> <laughs> like, at all times you could see like one side of the rim of the scope and then just like dead space from the camera I'm like what the f- what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's still the 60s. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's chasing this girl down the beach. I guess, like, it it looks like she's trying to drown herself. Like, yeah. yeah. She straight up seems to be attempting suicide. Yeah. yeah. And like, Bond is like, well, I can't have that. So he, like, runs down to try and get her. And he just gets ambushed. Like, well, okay, first, actually, I've lost over the fact that we get a nice big, like, fucking toe-to-shoulder shot of George Lazenby stepping out of the car. And it's just, like, the big reveal. This is a different boy. And then he just fucking gets ambushed on the beach. But before he's been ambushed, let's not gloss over. The way he wakes her up is, like, almost too much. Like, she's there. I don't know if you noticed this. And, like, he slaps her awake. And I don't know if it's the foley that made it like this or, like, the way they played it on scene, but the slap is, like, too hard. Man, okay, so this character... That's just just foregrounding. Yeah, the woman who's trying to commit suicide is called Tracy. She does get slapped around a disgusting amount in this movie. (laughs) It doesn't matter what emotion she's feeling, the response is to get slapped in the face. He definitely does get ambushed by some... Really aesthetic looking hand with like a fucking leather glove. Like the way the hand like points into frame holding the gun. Like it's and so, out of, like we've seen the yeah. whole we've seen the whole like swathe of the yeah, face. Yeah. These people have literally materialized <laughs> behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. Out out of frame and just like reaches into frame and points a gun at Bond. But he fucking I don't know, he's 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 not having it. He um he decides that this is time for him to do some judo and he just starts wrecking their shop, just fucking flipping dudes around and just like beats the crap out of these two dudes definitely like a moonlight beach fight is hot bond style i had to give it a b plus on the style scale uh setting the bar high nice and early but in the confusion tracy as we later learn she is does just get away uh, she gets she gets into a car she drives off and then george lazenby barrels the camera <laughs> and says, this never happened to the other fella which is like i'm sorry a wild thing to yes. do because yes. it just utterly obliterates the fourth wall of these movies <laughs> <Yeah>. forever. <laughs> Barrels through the fourth wall at pace. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I was. I wrote down at this point. Like, imagine. Like, this is okay. We were all born. We were all. We were all born like long after this concept of multiple actors playing Bond was a thing. Imagine being a Bond fan in 1969, and you're literally like, "I love this franchise. What? It's another guy, but." Wait, it's the same movies? Like, is it is it part of the same continuation? It's just, like, such a weird concept to replace, like, a leading man like that that you'd just be going in, like, what the fuck? And then after this, he, like, barrels the camera and addresses the audience and is like, that's right, I'm not Sean Connery. <laughs> it's like, you'd just be so fucking confused. But definitely, This Never Happens, The Other Fellow is my first title pitch. Mm. 
It's like yeah. that thing in Game of Thrones where they replace Dario, and so then, like, the first... They call him Dario, like, six yeah. times in, in the first minute. scene. It's like, hey, Dario, have you met Dario? This is Dario. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was funny. Spoiler alert. The stuff about the, like, radioactive slugs that Q and M were looking at, like, never comes back. It was literally just, like, a spy gadget segue yeah. to being, like, where is James Bond? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, like, starting the film with the first line of dialogue... Where is James Bond? Yeah. They're like, let's talk about finding things. Because the idea was you could track the radiation. Or even... It's like a tracking device. Even just start the movie with James Bond driving in his car. Yeah. It is. It's essentially just kind of like, huh, we could track it with this. If only we could find a way to track James Bond. <laughs> yeah, it's like, literally like the <laughs> most painful. <laughs> but I, I, I can only assume it's part of that transition where they know that they're swapping Bond out for the first time. And they're like, okay, fuck. Let's start with the two who've already been in these mm. films. Yeah, give you something familiar. Yeah, so like, don't worry. It's the same James Bond stuff. And yeah. they're like, but where is James Bond? Here he is. This is James Bond now. Like <laughs> We also then roll from this into the uh, title uh, the title card, essentially, like the the, the 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 traditional James Bond, very famous credits over music. Not a song this time. It's just just I being underscored. Fucking love this title card scene. Really? It, I thought it was pretty hype. Like pretty good James Bond. Like it could have had lyrics. <laughs> I but- shit you not. I was sitting there watching it. Like this is the worst title <laughs> card in any James Bond film I've ever seen. And I haven't seen them all, but mm. I've seen, like, a number of them, obviously, and I was like, wow, this is appalling. Well, man. well, James, I, sorry, T, I, <laughs> I would say you... I would say, have you seen Dr. No? <laughs> no I haven't seen Dr. No. <laughs> because there are some comparisons to be drawn. Maybe I've just been starved of the better ones. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the stuff we've been watching, I was like, fuck yeah, this is good. Anything that came out in our lifetime shits all over <laughs> this type of thing. Probably and even the... Fair. Even the Connery ones I've seen, which are, I can't remember which ones, but just a couple All of them. Right. I mean, Goldfinger is iconic as hell. Uh, speaking yeah. of iconic, one of our points of remakeability from the Bond franchise is the iconic intro. I think we got to give it up. I mean, obviously it's going to be in there. It's like a fucking... Yeah, It course. has to be in the movie. Something I want to do like, to prep us for watching this film, of course, is that, like, obviously these films are renowned for their uh, overt sexuality and sort of uh, sexual humour, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I-, I was thinking what I might do is I might check in with the parents' guy of this film from IMDb oh, cool. throughout the film cool, yeah, just to yeah, make yeah. sure we can properly explain what's happening in well, regards yeah. to the sex and nudity in this movie I need to know for our listening audience when I can and can't show it to my kids um, yeah. well exactly I think just to like sort of take out any a question of taste sort of thing I'm just going to talk about the issue with the opening title sequence according to the parents guide okay very very good very very good the opening title sequence features silhouettes of women who are apparently nude oh by no a- Evidenced by a lack of any irregularities in the smooth body contours that would be caused by clothing, as well as by their visibly erect nipples. <laughs> as well as by that. I honestly was waiting for you to hit the nipples because they really stood out to me in that yeah. title. So the first thing is like, oh, there's no like baggy clothes stuff. Oh, also there are nipples. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, it just geez. like, yeah, it's like, what sort of clothing are they envisioning where it's like, no, no, you can see the ripples which suggest they are wearing clothes, except... That no nipples, like, like the nipples are completely uncovered. These parents complaining about this clearly haven't seen George Clooney's Batman film because the nipples were visible there and he was clothed. True. That's true, that's true. He had those plastic molded nipples. There's a couple of things in the title card though oh. that we need to talk about. Okay, go on, Tom. First off, I just want to check. I'm just going to eat this carrot through. while you tell the story. Go on. Well, it's appropriate that you're eating the carrot because the first thing I want to ask you about is have the two of you discussed the fact that these films are being made by Mr. Broccoli? Because <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> like, 
Has this come up? <laughs> no. Because it fucking should have. Albert Broccoli. It mm. should have been first item on the list the first time you did Shaker you know, Monster. You know when you're too close to something and like, you need an outside eye to come in? Like, yeah. having watched Bond films for like most of my life, it means that I've just always known that Albert Broccoli is the Bond <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And so I have no questions. And like his mm. co-producer is Saltzman. Yeah, like, yeah. We gotta have seasoning. Yeah, that guy's decently slides by with man in the second half of his name, but the salts are there. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Obviously, Albert Broccoli Man would be a hardest. <laughs> <laughs> and do you guys do you guys realize who plays Tracy in this? I mean, yes. The name is not as ridiculous as something like Pussy Galore, but it's straight up Diana Rigg. Yeah, Diana Rigg. Who is Olena Tyrell? No yeah, fucking dude. way. Yeah. yeah, dude. Oh my yeah, god. Dude. Former Bond girl, I guess former qu- uh, Queen of Thorns. Are you- yeah. Spoilers. Whoa. <laughs> 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 Oops, you slid that former right in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you're still watching season seven of Game of Thrones, go back and don't listen to that last joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's too late. Oh dear. Alright, we gotta start the movie. Bond pulls up at like a casino or something in his car. He still has nothing to do. Like he hasn't been like he hasn't been given a mission, he hasn't been given yeah. a task. He saw this woman at the beach and now he's at the casino playing fucking card games in his second suit of the day. He but he had, the- he's definitely rocked up and then like came in and was like is there a, like on the way in? He was like, "Ah, oh, greetings, Manuel." And Manuel was like, "Ah, oh, Mr. Bond." Yeah, oh, yeah the they know him. Bond, here. yeah. And then he was like, "Ah, uh, the red cougar outside. Uh, does a lady drive that?" And then Manuel was like, "Ah, uh, yes, indeed." So literally, like, he does have a mission. It's I must find that lady that's sped in front of me. <laughs> like, he's still on the same mission. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. He's wearing one suit. He goes down to the card tables wearing a second suit, assumedly his second suit of the day, a morning yeah. suit and an evening suit. Now that is high level style. I'm not going to give yep. it a number rating, but just keep it in mind. He's got to play card games, of course, because it's James Bond, and card games are so fucking central to the plot of these movies. Yes. And uh, one of the points of remakeability, so there you go. Uh, Manuel also reveals that the cougar that belongs to this lady, it actually belongs to one Contessa Teresa Di Vincenzo. <laughs> yeah, dude. So um, good. I was like, okay. And like, given that like the last one we watched, it's like, oh, this is pussy galore. I was yep. like, you know what? Like, well done. This is foregrounding again. Again, for the fact that this entire movie is about titles and heraldry. <laughs> because, like, no, the first point you would meet is a countess. And then it's just like, the rest of the movie is just people discussing different, like, lordly statuses. Yeah. Basically, just like a pair of breasts come into mm-hmm. frame. Literally, like, spotlighted by... And, like, yep. you can't see... Again, the, the film was like, you can't see whose face it is, but it's like, take a guess. And it is, in it's fact, that one the girl. lady from early, earlier who was attempting suicide and is now playing Banco. She makes a terrible choice. I think she should... According to Bond, she should have stayed on five. But anyway, she doesn't do that. She owes, like, 10,000 francs or something like that, or 20,000 francs, and Bond covers it for her. Yeah, and fucking she just, like, walk, all she class. Just, like, waltzes off. Yeah, exactly. He's like, ah, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm so fucking rich that I'll cover your 20,000 franc loss because I'm fucking Bond. Um, and then, like, what, they... They, like, agree to meet up later or something. Somehow he's acquired a key to a hotel room. That's the weird thing about what's happening now. Because they finish this interaction at the card table, and the next thing is him just, like, do-do-do-do-do, just, like, unlocking I mean, The readiness room. with which Manuel tells him whose car it is. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he's just like, Manuel, I need a key to this room. And okay. Manuel's like, sure thing, Dude, Mr. Bond. In, in one of the earlier movies, I think it's Goldfinger. He literally, like, goes up to the maid in the hotel lobby as she's cleaning the rooms, and he's like, hey, open this door. <laughs> and she's like... Like, okay. 
He's listening to your fucking LVP yeah. yeah, for doing a fucking shitty job. Anyway, he, assumedly he's done some bullshit like that again, and he like breaks into fucking the Countess's room, and he gets ambushed a second time! Yeah. Like, this is the second time he's been going after this particular girl for reasons that aren't clear, and he's just been ambushed by random men who are following her around. They fight here? I gotta say, my first LVP goes to the editor of this movie for how fucking jerky the cuts are like did you guys yeah, notice this as well like gonna, in the fight scene come back. it's literally that's like come back. he swings his hand before it makes any connection we cut to something else and there's a sound effect and it's just like the weirdest jerkiest yeah, way of doing yeah. it to be fair probably better than the goofy ass fight scenes sean connery was involved in totally. um but you know it, it's definitely jarring so lvp to the editor i'm sorry um we have this goon here who just seemingly cannot be punched and we get like a little <laughs> bit of that that classic sort of comedy of like james bond just like punching this guy again and again in the face and nothing happens but he can be thrown through like a set of like venetian blinds or whatever and just like like fucking like throws him th- uh through like breaks all this wood over him and then the guy's like all right now i pass out um, but how and then Bo- fucking funny is that pass out where he like goes yeah. to sit up, you like see him change his mind and he passes out. Just- <laughs> well, it's tiring yeah. to keep fighting like that. He yeah. was like, ah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm tapping out. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, you, I guess that definitely- means yeah, he, cho- he chose to go to sleep, I guess. Exactly. He, pass yeah. out. Yeah. he chose. You get the impression that he was like, you know what? I'm done being punched. He's <laughs> 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 like, I'm going to keep fighting. Oh, I need- no, no. He's punched <laughs> no more. so many times. I just want to go to sleep now. <laughs> yeah. So, so now- we, we then get Bond hopping up and being like, well, uh, obviously her room is not the place to be. Um, <laughs> he, he, he takes a bite of the caviar and uh, like he, basically earlier he had a bottle of like Dom Perignon and some caviar oh. brought up. And so he has a little bite of caviar. I was like, dude, if you want to do that, just take the fucking plate with you. I think the first half of this movie takes too long to, get to really get to what the movie's about, but it does basically just spend 50 minutes marinating you in like, this is James Bond doing James Bond shit. True. I was like, he's fought these goons in a hotel room, he's standing over their bodies just like eating caviar it's like something you'd write if you were writing a parody of a Bond movie yeah, no, and totally, then he like totally. makes some snarky comment about the caviar and leaves the room <laughs> literally one taste and he's like oh it's Royal Beluga <laughs> from north of the Caspian it's like, he was like yeah, yeah, he's an expert of literally everything. This is a recurring element it of really this movie is, and also yeah. James Bond. It's literally like everything he does, he's like, oh yeah. Which begs the question, like, he cannot physically have time to do all of the things that he does. That's <laughs> in the course of his life. He's like, because if, if, you know, like someone asked, you know, like one of the other writers would have been like, oh yeah, there can be a thing about how he had like a past where he had to go undercover in like a caviar tasting syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> And that's yeah. why he knows so much about caviar. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't just do that for everything. It's like, oh yeah, he was a former Olympic skier. And uh, <laughs> he took bronze in Geneva. <laughs> anyway, uh, he goes back to his room after being disappointed by the caviar. And the Contessa is right there in his room. That's right. He went to her room, she went to his room, a classic sitcom mix-up. Yeah, she's, she's like, for some, so she's like, what, like, in her underwear, wearing a robe, tied up. Yeah. But like, what, 
Why did she go, like, at this point it's like, wait, did she hire the goons? Why is yeah. she in his room? They were the- going to her room. Why yeah. is she here? And then she pulls a gun on him, and it's just like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah, there's so much fucking going on in these movies, at this, in this movie at this point, like... And this goon, who chose to go to sleep before, now gets up, mm. listens at the <laughs> door of his room, and is like, no, you know what? I'm gonna leave him to it. Like- yeah, we now get another interaction between Bond and Tracy, the Countess, where he just smacks her right across oh, the face. Yeah. For no real reason. But not she, he. He asks her something, and she doesn't give him a straight answer. No, she, he's like, "Who's the goon?" And she's like, "I don't know." So he hits her. He's yeah. like, "No, really, I don't." And yeah. then they just move on. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. It's it's pretty bad. I mean, like, obviously, obviously, there are things in these movies that are challenging today. Uh, mm-hmm. We're gonna make it a point of just addressing them and then moving on. But uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that's a thing in this movie. Uh, quick LVP to everyone involved in the production of this film. <laughs> Just throw it out. <laughs> Just a quick one. For that yeah. particular scene. They talk about the money that she owes him. She says she always pays her debts. Like she um, knows she's going to be in Game of Thrones later. Like Whoa, yeah, talking yeah, to the Lannisters? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ, man. Huge. That's a fucking throwback and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then I think it's probably just worth diving back into the parents' guide real quick because like, what's like, <laughs> the scene is that a man pays off a woman's large gambling debt. In a later scene, the two are lying on a bed together, fully clothed, talking about this, and the woman implies that she will repay the man with sexual favors. The two then begin to kiss the man willingly, the woman stoically. So that's the scene, according to the parents' guide. <laughs> that's some fucking um, poetry from whoever yeah. wrote that. Right? Really good stuff. My kids have to know about the motivations behind the kiss. <laughs> Is that kind of a power move sort of thing? Like her being like, you know what? I always pay my debts. I'm just going to bang Bond and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. But then we wake up the next morning. There's a rose on her robe. And she's, she's become gone. a ghost. She Bond's has Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's literally... Be- okay, I'm so glad we all saw the same thing. Bond wakes up and turns to the left side of the bed. And there's a robe laid out perfectly as though someone was in it and then faded away. <laughs> He strikes her down, and she becomes more powerful than he could possibly have imagined. Yeah. Which makes sense, because, like, she does always pay her debts, he opens a little bedside table, and the francs that she owes are there. And yeah. then so I was just kind of like, was the so sex was just, the like, a gimme? Yeah. Like, what was the... No, that payment was for the gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she was gun. like, this is a brilliant gun of 20,000 francs. <laughs> I'm very fond of your gun. You're 20,000 20, Swiss francs in 1969 money. That's got to be a... Hang on. Yeah, so it's something Holy like 140,000 francs today at sort of global inflation <laughs> rate. Which is like... Which is probably like, like 160, 170,000 yeah. Australian? Yeah, it's about 190,000 Australian dollars. Right. So, right. so that is an expensive... An expensive gun. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, obviously, like, th- that definitely tracks in, like, a different Bond film. Like, if it's the man of the golden gun, of course. <laughs> I also just really quickly want to duck back, but the parents guy did just have uh, something to chime in on with the waking up scene in the morning, which I think is very fair. Because a man wakes up in bed, visible from the waist up, wearing nothing. As he gets up, he puts on a robe, and later in the scene, we see his bared legs, implying that he was wearing either shorts or nothing at all. Oh my god! That is so needlessly... 
Specific. No, but also the uh, the idea that like very clearly he's meant to be naked. He's yeah, just yeah. And they're like, well, no, but the idea is like, well, he's either naked or he's wearing like denim cutoffs. I'm not sure. <laughs> he might be a never nude. I don't know. Let's give them the benefit the of the doubt. Just paints him blue. Yeah. <laughs> the kidnapping is too funny. Like first off, this dude in the hotel lobby with the newspaper, just slowly lowers it to yeah, reveal yeah. a not-subtle pistol yeah. <laughs> just aimed in the lobby, like, <laughs> milling around yeah, in yeah. the same Nobody shot. gives a shit. And they, like, take him out of the car. There's that same dude who got sick of getting punched, so he's got a knife this time. And Bond just, like, slightly sassily is like, maybe not the knife, my friend. And he's like, yeah, okay. Like, mm. worried Bond's going to start punching again. Yeah. <laughs> he's so scared of James Bond and his judo hands. And it's just, like, a pack. Car of trendily dressed dudes just take a cruise and like Bond even makes some people like oh just a sightseeing tour then and yeah. they just like convertible their way through town I wanted to say that the, the guy who did the talking to Bond I thought was so slick and stylish and dressed so well not the guy with the gun the guy who was like excuse me Mr. The guy Bond with a pockmarked face yeah he's like excuse me Mr. Bond and then points at the other guy holding the gun I thought his slick style that never comes back in the movie was qualifying for an MVP so he's, he's my first <laughs> Uh, they arrive at the headquarters of some character, yeah. I guess. Uh, we later learn his name is, in fact, Draco. But when Bond is walking into the headquarters of this guy, there's just a little person in the lobby, cleaning yeah. the lobby. It I... seemed like a deliberate choice, and I wasn't sure why. Because the camera lingered on him after yeah. they walked past. Yeah. Which makes it seem like they're trying to draw attention. Like he wasn't just an extra that was yeah. hired for the scene. It was like they wanted to be like, check out this guy in particular. So we meet the boss, who is this guy called Draco, who just like jerks Bond off for a bit. He's like, ah, oh. such an instantly James Bondy scene. Yeah, he throws out yeah. the shaker, not stirred. Yep, yep, and then fucking. And James Bond's response is basically, and also Spectre's a thing. Yeah. Suddenly it's like full throttle on like yeah. Bond meme. Exactly. So like we've been marinating in these like the fucking milieu of James Bond for like 30 minutes now. And now this guy's like, ah, the inimitable James Bond. I bet you know everything about spy stuff. And he's like, I do. And this guy, Markange Draco, head of like Draco Construction and also the Union Course which is like a major crime syndicate which Marco uh, which Draco refers to as uh, being like the biggest in the world and then uh, Bond is like mm, actually Spectre's bigger so it's kind of like maybe like the enemy of my enemy is my friend mm. that's where I was kind of going at this yeah. point I was like oh he, he wants a conversation with James Bond but then he's like you also you met my daughter uh, Teresa oh, it's so weird and it's like hang on it's... what your your daughter is the girl that James Stop from committing suicide. And you've been following her around with goons this whole time. Just uh, random goons following her around. And then he's like, I will give you one million pounds to marry my daughter. It's so Straight up says she needs a man to dominate her. It's the worst meeting the dad the morning after scene I've ever seen in a film. It's just so gross. Yeah, I I I must have missed that line. But yeah, that is pretty rough. I definitely thought that the whole idea of him basically being like, please take my daughter off my hands was a pretty weird motivation for a movie. Before he says she needs a man to dominate her, he's he's like, I know everything about you. And James Bond is like, everything yeah. and he's like don't worry about yeah, that yeah 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 he's literally like he just looks Bond in the eye and is like I don't care that you fucked my daughter I just want you to do it more he yeah. literally he says that almost verbatim 
It's like, so weird. Like, he literally must just be almost like... Almost verbatim. <laughs> he does say something about, like, it's, you just need to, like, make love to him more. He said something like that. Like, something really explicitly, <laughs> without without saying the sentence, fuck my daughter some more, Yeah, basically says the sentence, fuck my it's daughter It's so more. bad that, like, the call to adventure for this movie is literally, like, date my daughter. <laughs> it's like, hey, date my daughter, James Bond. And James Bond's like, hmm... I'll do it in exchange for information about Blofeld. And he's like, yeah, okay, I can I can probably make that work. And then that's the conclusion of the scene. And now James Bond goes back to London. And you better believe he's walking into M's office, throwing his hat at the hook. Classic oh, fucking James Lazenby Bond stunt style. nails the hat shot. Yeah, yeah. He like, does a great job at oh. the hat shot. Style rating, I gave it an A-. Uh, and yeah. money pennies there. Which, again, again, it's high risk, high reward, right? Like, this is yeah. the new guy coming in. The other fella would have had no problems with that. Yeah, so he really man. had to nail it. Part of me feels like George Lazenby probably did it accidentally. Like, he tripped on the way in and, like, the hat just like landed on it and he was like hey he probably didn't even know it was a thing in previous it films. probably wasn't in the script he just thought it <laughs> yeah. would be cool <laughs> he was probably just like ah oh. he wasn't meant to walk into the scene with his hat walks in he's like oh fuck <laughs> 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 And the camera like tracks over yeah. to him. <laughs> the cameraman's distracted. <laughs> the reaction you see on Money Penny's face is completely not genuine. Acting. It's yeah. just Gen- genuine like, surprise. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Bond has finally decided to show up for work, like literally thirty minutes into the movie, and he walks into M's office, and unsurprisingly, he gets dressed down by M, who's just like, "Where the fuck have you been? Like, you can't just fucking disappear. Like, what have you even been doing?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, I can't just do whatever the fuck I want, huh? Well." I quit, and he walks outside and starts dictating a letter of resignation to Money Penny, and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, taking down the letter of resignation. But we very quickly learn in the next scene, she belligerently refused to do her job, and as a result, like, prevents this absolute creep from getting fired, because what she actually took down was a letter requesting two weeks of leave, because Bond walks back into the office and Em's like, request granted, and then Money Penny's like, oh, I couldn't have you leaving, could I? So, LVP to Money Penny because it is her fault that James Bond keeps his job. <laughs> I do love that whole thing of being like, well, then, like, like, oh, like, it's, it's taking you so long to catch Blofeld, like, the world at stake. Well, 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 why the fuck not? And he's like, all right, that's it, you're off the case. And he's like, well, then I resign immediately. Like, it's just like, and like, I fucking love, like, he, he's there packing up his things. He, oh, like, fuck. sees a portrait of, like, the queen and, like, salutes her, being like, I'm sorry, old girl. Like, just, <laughs> like, I just love, like, the, how much, like, being on Her Majesty's Secret Service is important to this organization. Like, genuinely, they're like, well, you do it for the queen. Like, that's it. It's the queen. Yeah, I mean, that's and basically the, the motivation of every British person to do anything. <laughs> Literally, the two other things he has time to do before he finds out his resignation isn't going to happen is to stare lovingly at his knife <laughs> and to fiddle with the gadget cord that comes out of his watch. These are the two things he does before nodding at the queen and then finding out he's keeping the shot. He doesn't even do anything he with the cord. He knife in his drawer and like... he stares at it like it's his... 
<laughs> fucking child. Yeah. The weirdest part about this movie is that it's called On Her Majesty's Secret Service, where it is yeah. one of the only Bond films where he is not, in fact, on Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. He's doing a private operation. It's like a personal grudge mission that he has against Blofeld. He's not working for the <laughs> government. He's not on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Not to mention, even if he was, that's the most generic, bland title for a Bond film. It's literally just a pun. It's just, they were like, oh, we'll just add secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Majesty's Royal Service. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. And it's like, it's yeah. just a pun that could be literally any Bond movie. And this is the one that at least applies to. <laughs> Bond goes to Draco's birthday party. And he's like, so. He's hanging out with Draco and, and um, Tracy. And he's like, so you're going to tell me about Blofeld? And <clears throat> he's like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then Tracy's like, nah, go on, Dad. Tell him about Blofeld. She's, like, really pushing for him. Yeah. But we get a great series of zingers, though, before she, like, gives the ultimatum about Blofeld. Because when she is, like, introduced to him and is like, oh, we already know each other, he opens with, like, oh, and she's so welcoming. Just there, like, standing with her and her dad, just being like, she really puts out... And then she walks away because of that. And her dad's like, oh, I can see that she likes you. And so he's like, hey, you better refer me to your optometrist. And it's like, it's just like the yeah. weirdest, like, <laughs> fucking puns. Yeah. Then we cut to her with, the like, oh, what, her dad's so girlfriend? Weird. This was so fucking weird. And the dad's girlfriend yeah. is like, oh, there's so much you don't know about James Bond. Maybe you should go to night school. Being like, you should fuck him some more. And it's the yeah. weirdest, like, yeah. like, quick succession, like, pun play like, yeah. dialogue. And then, like... At, Although, at point, hang like, on, T, there is a distinct possibility that, like, Draco and his love for James Bond has actually built a night school that you can attend to, like, <laughs> find out more about The James Bond, Bond Academy? Yeah. And, like, to be fair, later in the movie, she seems exponentially more capable, and, like, she probably has learned a thing or two about James Bond. So maybe she actually did go to night school in yeah. between this scene and when we next see her fucking an hour later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's like an so. unseen montage sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah. She's There's just there another like movie training. Yeah. She's learning how to be yeah. Honestly, the movie fan. I'd rather watch to yeah. be <laughs> Like watching good. Diana Rigg just become like a, a competent spy. Like that sounds incredible. So she's like, Dad, you have to tell him about Blofeld or I'm gonna leave and then she like runs away and like he's crying somewhere and Bond goes down to meet her and he's like it's okay now we're gonna be dating I, 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 is that a pretty accurate summary of what yeah. happened to you they, I, they, they, they decide just... to fall in love via montage they're like <laughs> yeah. let's just spend the next week and the next three minutes just like not saying anything and just moving around in flashes yeah. of music Different. my my note for this point in the film is literally love montage and then I drew a love heart yeah. because it was just Scene after scene, and they would come back to the scenes in the montage and watch them falling more in love yeah. in each individual scene. But it's like, James Bond is like literally honey trapping this woman. Like, he's using her to get to fucking the information her dad has about Blofeld. Like, he doesn't seem like he gives a shit about her. But he's already got the info. Well, that's why, yeah, it's, that's I guess why it's lovely. He's got his intel. part of the bargain. That's kind of the funniest bit about it, is he gets his, he gets his intel... And should now just go after Blofeld like a responsible spy. Yeah. But instead takes out time. Like, they're in multiple cities through this montage. He goes on, like, a varied holiday. Yeah. Wait, he's got two her. weeks leave. What are you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
My favourite shot in this montage is a shot of like her dad and Bond and her all sitting in the back of a car. That is in silence. So funny. And he's just looking at her with this like weird expression on his face, and the dad's just staring blankly into the middle distance. I I do love the incorporation of like because it's essentially like a rom com at this point, and yeah, just like yeah. like these two people from opposite sides of the track sort of thing. But rather than having a dad that's like trying to like keep them apart, it's a dad that's pushing them together and just yeah. being like, huh, you guys are getting pretty in love now. Hey, <laughs> he's like, oh, like, what about this whole thing, huh? Working out pretty well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's like so invested in James Bond dating his daughter. It's, it's, it's a little weird. I guess what he's doing is going to a law office. Yeah. Because Draco was like, Blofeld's lawyer works in this office. Yeah. He goes there. And is it Draco's construction company that helps yeah. him here? It's one of his legitimate fronts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, Draco is like the Portuguese mob. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's important to note. Yeah. So, yeah, he goes into this office. Before he walked into the office, when he was walking along the street, go watch this scene, probably like 30, 40 minutes into the movie. There was one guy walking down the street who literally looked like a time traveler from 2018. Like, he was <laughs> dressed like everyone is dressed today, whilst everyone else in the scene is all wearing, like, suits and hats. He literally just looked like anyone you would see walking around a metropolitan area in 2018. I gotta feel like it's probably time travel. Like, if you invented time travel, one of the things you'd want to do is go be an extra in old-timey movies. Like, I would totally do that. Have you guys... Have you guys ever seen that thing where, like, a lot of... There's, like, a conspiracy theory that there are time travelers that appear in the background of Charlie Chaplin movies? Because, like, there's this guy who, like, appears to be looking at a mobile phone as he's walking down the street in, like, a fucking 1920s movie. Yeah, 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 uh, I've seen that. Yeah, I think that's what we've caught here. So I want to give an MVP to the time-travelling 2018 boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. do yourself a favour and and take a deep dive. You know what? There's no way he's a 2018 boy. If he's a time-traveller, he's from further in the future than now. He dresses like he's from now so that the other time-travelling villains don't know where to find. Him. So he's not a very intelligent time traveler then. Because <laughs> he's also in a film. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you just have to look up when the movie came out and, yeah, then, you'd and then really like, you'd be like, oh well, he was course. here. I'll at go this time. I'll, okay. I'll go check their shooting schedule. Yeah. I'll be in that city and just put a bullet in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well that's why he doesn't appear in any other movies, because the time bureau <laughs> caught him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, are you assuming it's a time hero or a time villain? Uh, this, is, like, this is why they shouldn't have broken the fourth wall at the start of this film. <laughs> Nothing is safe now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's more of just um just a time tourist, you know? I don't think he's a time yeah. hero or a time villain. Yeah. I think he's just like, you know, like when like wizards from Harry Potter like break the ministry rules, they send people out to get him. I think he's like breaking the time traveler rules by appearing in a movie. Mm. And he just got completely iced. Maybe there's going to be, in continuing breaking the fourth wall, another forthcoming James Bond movie about James Bond going back in time to kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fucking it's Idris to, Elba. to kill George Lazenby like everyone's no. like no fuck that Bond <laughs> it's Idris Elba and his job is to go back in time and kill both George Lazenby and also the time traveler from this movie <laughs> oh Jesus okay um, James is now in the lawyer's office he pulls out a gadget he pulls out a gadget it's a little machine that cracks safes he like plugs it into the front of a safe and then sits there reading a Playboy magazine while the safe gets cracked <sighs> Gadget rating B+. It's not the most impressive gadget we've seen in a Bond movie, but it is the only one in the movie. Yeah. So it is it, def- it is remarkably specific as that it's like a safe cracker and also a copier. 
Yeah. Like, like I mean, which I guess obviously has, like, a purpose, right? But it is, like, a chunky piece of material as well. Like, it's... Mm. It is. It's an interesting as, as gadgets go because everything else is so miniature. Why is this one so fucking big? What we have to realize now is that if you look like at a meta level where they've chosen to use gadgets in this film, the one time they use a gadget, it is so that James Bond has time to read a Playboy magazine. <laughs> <laughs> because that is true. any other spy film would have him somehow involved in cracking the safe. Yeah, yeah. Or like in danger or something. Yeah. Like he's hiding from someone who's <laughs> exactly. trying to... Yeah. He's literally just like... Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's killing time. <laughs> well, I was just going to say like the benefits of like working with criminals are really highlighted here because like this is the easiest heist that James Bond has ever done. <laughs> like whenever he does it with the MI6, like there's yeah. always like so much stress and that sort of thing. He does it with like the criminals. They fucking like they crane up the device he needs and take it down for him. He just gets to kick back and like read a Playboy. Like that's like <laughs> it's really like making a case for him flipping sides. It is. He realizes that like Blofeld is hiring a fucking herald from the Royal Society of Heralds to prove that he is in fact Count Blochamp and should inherit the fucking Again, it's about like heraldry and like birthright yeah. inheritance. Genealogy. <laughs> yeah, genealogy. And like he devises a plan where he's like, Oh cool. I'll pretend to be this guy, fucking Sir Roger Bray or whoever. Sir Hillary Hillary Bray, yeah. Hillary Bray. And I'm gonna go to Blofeld's camp and pretend to be the Herald. So let me just quickly learn everything about heraldry. Because this is see, I think this is how he knows shit about caviar. Like he pulled a similar stunt before and to go underground in a caviar well, ring. But like but he he goes to M to tell him all this, yeah. and like M is doing some shit with like butterflies or whatever. Yeah, and, and M's like, mm, not that's, interested. That's a, that's yeah, a, he knows about like, butterflies. Mm, that, that, well. That's quite a small, uh, a small example of that species. And like M's like, oh, you know about this? <laughs> like, surprise! Again, like, like, M must just be getting so sick yeah. of this shit. He's the biggest fucking well actually guy on the planet. Because yeah. M totally delivers that line like, oh, another fucking thing you're yeah. gonna talk about? Like, <laughs> you're gonna talk to me about you come into my butterfly house? Yeah. Like, Obviously, you're gonna talk to me about butterflies now. <laughs> like, obviously, M knows a lot about butterflies. <laughs> he collects butterflies. Like, has Bond done this just to fuck with M? Yeah. Has Bond spent like part of that love montage just reading about butterflies <laughs> so that he can then go into M's house? And can you drop imagine if it was intercut with him reading, St- like, like furiously studying butterflies? Because you would be watching that montage, like, why are the butterflies here? You'd be yeah. sitting there, like, why are they here? Oh. And then this <laughs> scene would, would hit, and you would be like, damn. Bond actually goes to meet the real Sir Hilary Bray, where he's kind of like, hey, don't worry, I'll go meet uh, Blofeld in person. You can just go hang out and do whatever the fuck you want. Bray's a big fan of this plan, but in order to show the legitimacy, uh, he showed, like, he asked Bray for, like, the Bond family motto, I think, which came from, like, Sir Thomas Bond originally or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we get to see, like, the crest and also the motto, which for his family is the world yeah. is not enough. Yeah, that's kind of hard. Which is just... I kind of yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, that was I like though. that a lot. I have a suspicion that I think happens for the first time in this scene that I could be completely wrong about. Is Lazenby dubbed by the actor who is the crest dude in the scenes when he is impersonating him? Okay, he's definitely dubbed. Like, there's a lot of dubbing that goes on in this movie. I don't know. Let's let's just hang that. Let's put a pin in that one and come back to that in trivia because that might be true. We gotta find that out. There is definitely that a lot of wild. bad. 
bad, but surely, obvious dummy. Surely you just use a gadget. You'd be like, I, I have this vocal sort of thing which I'll put in and it changes my voice. Like, yeah. that's such an easy fix in this franchise rather than just the man, like, not having the same voice. Like, sometimes Lazenby's Bond accent sounds a little bit Australian from time to time. But Especially in a few key moments yeah. where he completely breaks accent. Yeah. I guess what happens is now he goes to Switzerland and he's now going to fucking infiltrate Blofeld's Temple Al- of Allergies. Allergy Research Facility. <laughs> yeah, by the Mountain way. Summit. Yeah, now I will say, classic, iconic, beautiful landscape shots. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. a point of recommendability for Bond. Definitely coming through right here. It's been a been a little, little while between drinks on those Bond points, but uh, here we are. <laughs> and, and we get the stylish orange-uniformed guards. Oh, yeah? Where you get this oh. sort of, like homogenous but striking armed force surrounding yeah, the villain. That's cool. I like having these classic visuals yeah, coming through. I definitely like having a uniform for your henchmen. Yeah. That's that's definitely yeah. a cool look. I mean yeah, Blofeld like definitely the orange is a sensible safety yeah. mechanism in the snow. It's true. But it also just makes them look so 69. Yeah, oh nice dude. Also, yeah. now something I need to ask, all of these guards seem to have the uh, the logo for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, I think they're all Olympic skiers. I think you basically have to be an Olympic skier to be hired as a guard at Blofeld's mountaintop allergy research facility in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> but why Why did... How How did all these Olympic skiers become so willing to commit these horrible crimes? Yeah, like, look, like it's not like... Maybe like, Blofeld the, the, brainwashed them. Maybe, maybe. We have Bold. to assume. We have to assume that's what's happened. So we meet this woman, um, Irma Bund, who is like the fucking headmistress, I suppose, of the allergy research facility. She's like, I don't know, she's the woman in charge. She she is like, oh, hello, Mr. Bray. Yeah, yeah they get in a helicopter and they fly up to the fucking summit of the mountain and she's like asking him questions, like quizzing him. He's pretending to be a genealogist and he's like, oh yes, of course, the different mottos and things like that. Uh, Bond gets out of the helicopter. There's all these armed guards. He's like, guns make me very nervous, which... <laughs> Yeah, nice title pitch, why not? And he goes into the facility, and Irma is like, Oh, Mr. Bond, you should go see our doctor, because I guess you're unwell. Did he claim to be unwell at some point? Not sure what the purpose of that element of the movie is. And then picks up the phone to Blofeld and is like, He's here. He's definitely got to meet Irma for dinner at seven, I guess. Um, and also, I think it's very, very funny that a pivotal plot point in this movie is that James Bond has to dress up like a nerd. <laughs> because we haven't addressed the fact that he's wearing, like, nerd glasses and a kilt. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah. funny now, what, when he whips I, the kilt out. I just out. couldn't... I could not get... Like, I was like, what is the reasoning for this? Um, and there is a practical reason in the film, but... Like, well, it's, it's kind of... There's kind, kind of, of a like practical the, reason no, in the film. No, the, sorry, the, the film twice. makes the use of it. Like the, but, fi- by yeah, the, the way, film makes use of the kilt. By the way, it's just occurred to me. Like, at this point, have we like had any indication of what happened with Bond and Tracy? Like, they had that no. love montage. Then he goes and breaks into the safe. And he literally, like, there's no Bre- scene... When he gets out of the car to break into the safe, he says to her, keep my martini cold. Okay, so he does say goodbye to her. She doesn't yeah. just disappear from the movie. Yeah. Okay, no. but... She, she does like, kind goes, of... Like, yeah, she kind of just fades out. All right, but at least, like, there is an acknowledgement of that to some extent. Because I was literally sitting here thinking, like, man, like, there was the whole thing with Tracy, and now she's just not in the movie. Like, mm. was there meant to be a conclusion to that at all? Or, yeah. Okay, fair enough. So, yes, 
he is exploring the hotel in his kilt and he walks into a room full of beautiful women and it's so funny. we get a little bond oh, it's made funny by the fact that he walks into this room the camera pans around all these women and onto fucking Bond's face he's just like oh my and we get like a Bond music sting that's like duh, 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 duh. and it's just like okay so like they're literally just being like haha look at all these women that's a Bond thing right yeah it's literally <laughs> like mountaintop villain base yeah <laughs> sexy ladies yeah it, it re- this film really is like you said like at points, basically a parody of James Bond. Yeah, it's like doubling yeah. down on so many aspects of Bond shit. Anyway, he- one of these girls, Ruby, comes over and like makes fun of him because he's a baronet, which is like a lesser baron. And then like someone's like, "What's a baronet?" And she's like, "It's a lesser baron." And then she's like, "Oh, I didn't mean to like insult you." And like, there's so much like the everyone cares about genealogy in this movie. Yeah, it's true. Like, all it's the one girls of the main and like themes. like they love genealogy. It's crazy. It's- it's true. He orders a drink, but he has to be careful not to order his regular drink and give himself away. So he orders a nerd drink instead. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll just have a little bit of whiskey with some water in it. We get probably the most disturbing scene of oh the Oh my film, God. It's which so is bad. The editing of these dinner shots. Oh my God. Sort of like... Now, it's like sort of like vertical shots looking down at plates of food, arranged in a really strange way where it's not so much a meal as like components of meals, where someone has like a lot of potatoes, someone else has like a lot of chicken and that sort of thing. Everyone has different food, and it's all so gross looking. And And I don't know if you noticed this. There's like all these different, like, just sort of like Anglo Saxony women with various, like, Chicken, potato, da, da, da. then it comes to the Indian lady who's eating naan bread and oh. the Asian lady who's eating rice. Oh, I no. shit you not. That I didn't realize. That's so bad. Oh, oh this fucking franchise, man, yeah, deserves to be fired into the sun. It <laughs> really does. Um, oh my god. But yeah, basically, these girls are hanging on every word of the supro- supposed Sir Bray talking about genealogy and making some, like, euphemis- euphemistic joke about his testicles. Yeah, because he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> my crest has gold it. balls on it. Yeah. And they're like, gold balls, you say? Yeah, he's, he's like, like mm-hmm. yeah, would you like to see the balls? <laughs> yeah. I have pictures of them in a book. Yeah, I have, my <laughs> balls are in my room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Also, like, can we acknowledge the fact that the reason these women are all eating different food is because, again, this takes place in an allergy research facility that these 12 women have all been flown to for, like, different reasons to have their allergies cured and they're being tested for the, like, things they can eat. And the girl who's eating chicken, it'll come up later, she talks at too much length about her chicken allergy. (laughs) It's just the chicken allergy is not a thing. And the implication, you know, it's like somebody's there is allergic to somebody there is allergic to potato. And back to their sort of like racist dinner assignment, they're like, oh, this Asian girl is clearly going to be allergic to rice. What? And there's a. It's the weirdest. Although, imagine if it was like milk or something like that, and someone's just there chugging pints of milk (laughs) as like everyone else. Like, like, I I, I do agree. I mean, if you remade this film, it'd have to be lactose, gluten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. (laughs) If you remade this film, you'd probably just dispense with the allergy research facility part of it, because like, it bears no importance to the plot. The fact that they're in an allergy research facility. Like, yeah, okay, these women are part of Blofeld's larger scheme. That scheme would work regardless of what mechanism he used to get them. <laughs> it's, 
it's such a weird choice. But anyway, um, we have now a scene where all 12 of these women are all clamoring to fuck James Bond. In fact, I think every woman who has been on screen in the movie has been clamoring to Not fuck James Bond. Not the lady who runs this place. Well, we don't know that. I mean, there is indication later that she might be. And we'll come back to that when we get there. Um, but that was definitely one of our points of remakeability. So you know what? They're, Very true. They, they've delivered it up till here. These women are so desperate to fuck James Bond. The woman who runs the facility is like, Hey, all of you stop flirting with, with Bray. And insists that they all just pay attention to their dinner. At which point, the girl sitting next to him, Ruby, gets her lipstick, reaches onto his thigh, up his kilt, and starts like scribbling something there. And we get a hard shot of Bond's face while this is happening. And it is like the best facial expression you can imagine, like, he's just like, oh. Like, that moment is really what shows you that they should have done more with Lazenby. Like, mm. yeah, another the, few films the of, faces like, he's hands being near his dick and yeah. his camera locked onto his expression. Yeah, okay. And, and the, you know, stern lady then interrupts because his face looks weird. She's like, oh, you feeling okay? And he straight up is like, oh, just a slight stiffness, pauses for a moment, in my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets up from dinner and says, May your allergies be swiftly cured, which is a pretty weird, like, go outline <laughs> to use at any point, uh, regardless of the, the conversation. And then he walks around. And he's walking through the facility, and he comes across, like, a Dr. No-style lab. I thought that was very, very cool. Were they just reusing the same sets? I don't know. Straight up ice dungeon. Yeah. It's so crazy. Okay, but, like, all right. I feel like we're in a Bond movie now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. at this point, it's literally, like, if you were going to remake this movie, would you include the 30 minutes of honey trapping at the start of the movie? I think you would use it. Not necessarily yeah. exactly the same You'd way. You'd make it, like, a montage, or, like, a short thing. It would start... With Bond romancing Tracy, and then through dialogue, it would be established that he's doing that at the behest of her father in exchange for information. And then boom, you're in. I reckon like, he's, you, you open, he's at the beach, one book about butterflies, another book about <laughs> And then he looks over the top of the book to see her, like, trying to drown herself. Mm. You've already saved time there. And you've set up a payoff for later. <laughs> the double payoff, yeah. Oh, I think it'd be really great if every time like one of those little like, lines was coming up, it then like cut back to like like almost like a thinking bubble sort of thing where James yeah. like remembers himself reading and is like, ah, oh, and then says the line, just so the audience or, really gets where the gag's coming from. If just throughout the entirety of the franchise, like holistically, at some point you see him reading a book about every topic that he indicates like an expert knowledge in. <laughs> it would be so funny if like any given film yeah. just had random shots of him reading the yeah, books yeah, yeah. and be paid off in the next film. All previous films, because the synchronicity oh. of these movies are all fucked up. Like we could get like the Daniel Craig James Bond reading a book about like butterflies and then that's like a 30 year payoff. <laughs> Like, that is remakeability in terms of, yeah. like, what you can do with the meta humor at this mm. point. Because there's so much shit he just knows with no explanation. I've always said that James Bond doesn't have enough meta humor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, James Bond realizes that it's a number eight written on his thigh. Ladies love a man in a kilt. He's trapped in his bedroom, though. He can't get out to her room. Presumably, Ruby is number eight of these 12 women who are here. And he, like, is like, oh, the door's electrified. And he's trying to, like, jimmy the door open, and it nearly gets electroshocked. And then he makes a little contraption with two erasers, a metal thing, a paper clip, and, like, some books. It's way too detailed. Yeah. 
Like, it, this is something that came up in Doctor No as well, though. Like, so much of the movies are based around James Bond's knowledge of, like, basic electricity. Where he's like, oh, I can insulate myself from this by using rubber. And it's like, I guarantee you, he's like, you know, like, Ian Fleming, who wrote it, like, was a spy. I guarantee you, one time in his spy career, he was able to, like, insulate something with rubber in a way that let him do something kind of cool. And now that's the only thing Bond does to get out of sticky situations. Is <laughs> Like, insulation. Yeah, because you know he's not using rubbers otherwise. Ah, (laughs) Anyway, Bond gets out of his room with his weird little gadget. I guess that's a gadget. It's like a fucking mechanical... Which actually kind of makes sense about what he says to Q at the end of the movie. We can can come to that. A homemade gadget. Uh, Rating C. It's not that impressive. He goes to the girl's room. I feel like it's worth throwing it back to the professionals here. um, Because they would actually... man uh, who enters a woman's bedroom at night. The woman is shown in bed lying chest down with the, ch- the sheet covering her from the hips down. She's clearly not wearing any upper garment. In later parts of the scene where the woman is facing the camera, she has the sheet pulled up over her breasts, showing only her bared shoulders. We see the man at one point from the knees downward as his kilt falls down around his ankles. In dialogue, the woman implies that he was wearing nothing beneath the kilt. <laughs> later, we- <laughs> later we see the man in bed of the woman, the man bared to the waist at least. Consensual sex is implied. <laughs> For the first time in the movie, consensual <laughs> sex is implied. There has, at this point, been no monetary exchange between the two. <laughs> Man, this pervert who writes this IMGB parents guide is so obsessed with giving them the benefit of the doubt that characters are wearing underwear or wearing clothes. Yeah. He's literally yeah, like, no. it's implied he's wearing nothing under the kilt, but we cannot know that for sure. So now we get some pillow talk where she says that she has an allergy about chickens, which is a pretty weird way to express that sentiment. Um, Talks about nearly dying working in a chicken farm. mm. And then we get Blofeld's KFC ad blared over a loudspeaker. She's like, oh, don't worry, this is part of the treatment, and lies down as the lights atop her bed start flashing these hypnotic colours, and Blofeld's voice comes in and he's like, chicken is good. You should have chicken. You came here hating chicken. By the end of it, you will love chicken. Yes, (laughs) you will only eat chicken. The title pitch I got from this was, I've taught you to love chickens, to love their flesh. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. an yeah. actual goddamn line of dialogue from this. <laughs> so, like, is, is he... Like, I, I also love Blofeld as a character, right? Because he has some of yeah. that James Bond style as well, where he's just an expert at everything. And, like, I guess, like, one of the areas of his expertise is, like, psychology. <laughs> he's, like, hypnotizing these women into not being allergic to things. <laughs> he's, like... And the other thing is, he's doing it himself. Like, I love this, because we, like, cut into the room where he's doing it. Like, these aren't tapes. This is Blofeld sitting there with a microphone, like... Like, oh no, they are tapes. They are tapes. But, but he's yeah. standing there overseeing the yeah, tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't need he's to like, be there. Like, number eight yeah. <laughs> puts it in. Like he, he could hire someone to do that because there is someone else there. Yeah. But he's like, no, I must administer the tapes myself. <laughs> he's clearly getting off on it. He goes back to his room, and hey, another one of these women is waiting for Bond. At least she has some fucking get up and go about her though, because she's like, huh, I managed to break out of my room as well with a nail file. It's so easy. And I think Bond is impressed by the fact that he's met a woman who. I don't know. Can Bond? Can do anything, yeah, other than just fawn over him. And he does indeed do a sex with her. By using all of the same pickup lines in (laughs) sequence that we've just watched him use on the other girl. Like, he's actually got a problem. Like, he literally is just like... This is the sociopathy right there. Yeah. Every woman he encounters, he just is like, well, 
I guess I have to have sex with her. Yeah, I think the effect of that is like mirrored in the parents' guide here, which follows up the last one by saying, in later scenes, multiple similar liaisons are either initiated or implied in dialogue with other women. The end. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they were just like, you know what? It's it's gonna take too long for me to go through this. They should have done another montage here where it's just James Bond banging each of the twelve women using the exact <laughs> same pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 yeah, we gotta move on. So, now we meet a new character who is, like, fucking trying to get into a cable car. He's got curly blonde hair. He's a British guy. This guy was uh, working the crane. Okay, so okay. So, this is one of Draco's dudes, I think. Yeah, right. We, we later learn, I guess, that he's one of Draco's dudes, but, like, yeah, if... I guess you twigged that here. Because for me, I was yeah. just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I assume he's going to be important. But there's literally just this, like, British dude standing in the ski chalet trying to get up to the mountaintop. He goes over to a cable car, I guess, and he's like, hey, uh, can I get up there? And, like, one of the German guys is like, no, you cannot get up there. It's a private enterprise. And he keeps saying, like, but I read about the restaurant. I read about the I summit. I an ad. I you have, have to, to get up, up there. It's yeah, the yeah. weirdest exchange. It's such a strange scene. Like, I was thinking, like, what is the purpose? purpose of this scene like is he just meant to be like a like a clueless british tourist who's giving us like an outside perspective on like what it would be like to be at the ski chalet while this top secret allergy research facility was on the summit uh i'm so excited for some bond winter sports by the way like i just know this is gonna happen like we haven't quite seen it yet but like you know he's gonna be doing some some curling some luging some fucking skiing it's definitely in the mix so this curly head motherfucker is definitely up to something he, he wouldn't be he, like they wouldn't let him in the cable car so this motherfucker has decided he's just gonna free climb the mountain to get to the peak gotta give him an mvp Gotta respect that hustle. And also, his righteous indignance when he gets caught. Like, he's caught illegally scaling a mountain. He's like, oh, what did I do? What did I do? Literally, this man has had an assault rifle fired at him. And his response is like, what? I'm not allowed to climb a mountain? Yeah, it's so good. His righteous indignance, his absolute hustle, his commitment to the craft. You just gotta give it up. Big fan. Like, he gets caught and taken away. And, like, him and Bond exchange a look, which I guess is meant to be our clue that Bond knows him in some way. Mm. Then Bond is like, hey, Blofeld, you know what we should do to... Fuck, we haven't even addressed the reason. Yeah, like, Blofeld thinks Bond is here to analyse some documents to prove that he is the rightful Count of Blochamp. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, you know what would really prove that you're the Count of Blochamp? If you came with me to the Blochamp Ancestral Tombs. (laughs) Uh, He's just trying to get him out of Switzerland, I guess, like, Mm. so he can be arrested. Yeah, it must be like a sovereignty thing or something like that, right? Yeah, Yeah. he's like, for some reason, Bond is trying to lure him away, but Blofeld's not going for it. Now, I, I don't think we should move away from this moment before acknowledging that James Bond is playing curling with all the ladies oh, when his you, friend dude. is shot at. And James Bond slides along the ground in a comedic failure at curling in this scene. Yeah, I thought that was like a deliberate play that he did to like convince them that he was like a nerd. I suspect so. I think that's him well, being like, that, look, I'm a that, nerd. But, but like- let's, let's keep this moment in our memory because we need to talk about it later in the film. Okay. But also, yes, we definitely do. Also, like, he he does slip here. He definitely does. And then as he slips, I think it's Ruby, like, like sits down and is like, shall we meet again t- tonight? And he's like, eight o'clock. But, like, it's almost like I wasn't sure if he was doing it, like, comedically goofy. I kind of thought that maybe he was like, I gotta talk to Ruby. I know. <laughs> and yeah, just yeah. kind of, like, <laughs> like yeah. kind of, like, threw himself out and was like, yo, what time? Trying to get a coded message. Absolutely. Blofeld basically, like, 
he's suspicious of Bond at this point. He goes to our room and there's a woman in the bed and he's like, ah, a little time for me, James Bond, a woman in the bed. Boom, it's Emma Bunt. She pops out from under the covers and fucking cracks him over the dome. Bond like passes I, I out. Think she, it, there's another dude. Like she just goes like, man, it's She's me. just the surprise. <laughs> yeah, and he's like shocked and then a dude behind him. Yeah, well. Because dudes are just perpetually appearing behind James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like knocks him out. perpetually people are just being knocked out by blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah. Like absolutely <laughs> that is the thing that this franchise is obsessed with. Definitely prank rating A, by the way, here from Irma oh, Bunt. Yeah. No fucking yeah, question. Yeah. That's also because like, Irma's especially... whole thing isn't to strike him. Someone else does. And I love that she was like, I'm entirely yeah. the bait and I love it. Exactly, especially if, yeah, like, I thought she hit him or something. Especially if it wasn't her that did the hitting. Like, she's literally just there to prank him. Like, yeah. just to startle him. <laughs> so that someone else can hit him. That's so good. Anyway, Blofeld's caught him. He was like, he reveals, they have a meeting where he's like, I knew you were James Bond the second you tried to lure me out of Switzerland, you fucking idiot. And he's like, oh yeah, hmm. Because he gets the location of the tomb slightly wrong. Yeah, yeah, he also yeah. Yeah, fucks up some specific locations. Also... Definitely one of the reasons that Blofeld knows that he's James Bond is he's like, Bray would never fuck two of the women from my... Yeah! He's <laughs> like, you're clearly not a nerd because yeah. you were trying to fuck. Like, yeah. literally his main argument. Yeah, I cannot fucking believe that. Like, once again, this is something we've seen before in the past. James Bond just cannot keep his dick in his pants and it gets him in so much trouble. Like, it's part of the reason he gets caught here. This is definitely the scene where Lazenby breaks accents so fucking hard. Oh, like God. he's like oh what are you just you know I was James Bond all along then <laughs> like, <you're> really <laughs> Australian oh, really God. Australian accent so fucking but good. we get the villain monologue we get a classic villain monologue that's true to James Bond being like here is my plan this is what I am going to do it's too late for you to stop me ha 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 his whole thing is that he's been developing this like it's basically like chemical warfare to like make certain strains of like different like agricultural and that sort of thing like infertile, which means the whole thing is just like done. Like there's like it's just like not going to reproduce, and thus like corn is no more. Goodbye carrots. Yeah. Like that basically. But dude, um, and he's doing his the- see you later broccoli. That's like his <laughs> yeah, the, the last line of defense through vaccines. This movie yeah. is about the perils of vaccineries. <laughs> It's wild. <laughs> it's a um, very early anti-vax movie. And so the patients here are his uh, so-called angels of death that he has hypnotized oh. to deliver this chemical warfare, um, which as a plan is kind of goofy. The one thing I also want to point out as well is that Blofeld like definitely cut off his earlobes to become more like a count of Blochamp. And Bond yeah. is like, it's going to take more than you to cut your earlobes off. But I do love Blofeld's commitment to being like, oh, yeah, this should work. Like, I mean, Blofeld like, undergoes his some off. physical changes over the course of this film franchise. <laughs> let's, yes, he does. Let's put it mildly. Yes, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Blofeld feels like, huh, and having your colleague try and climb up, how foolish, like revealing that the climber was his mate. And Bond's like, oh, you know, he will have reported my location. And Blofeld's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I had an MVP here for Blofeld. Like, more for oh, the yeah? actor, I think, because I think the actor mm. does a fucking awesome job here. Like, one of the more convincing... Like, given, like, the dialogue they had to work with, like, one of the more convincing, like, evil villain monologues I've heard in a while. Bond does make a play. Like, he tries to get away. He beats up these two guys a little bit, and he's, like, making a move for Blofeld, but then these two boys get him back under control, and he can't get away. They lock him in a room. It is immediately revealed. Yeah, okay, so this is this is a rare misstep from Blofeld, as far as I'm concerned. You're like, oh, I've caught James Bond, my arch nemesis, the only man who can bring down my plans. 
I'm just gonna lock him in this random room full of machinery, also with an escape hole. It's just like, why don't you just lock him in a broom cupboard? Yeah. Or just <laughs> kill him. Like, or like just, his hotel room. Yeah, anywhere else. Yeah. Like, when he's like, oh no, you're fucked now, Bond. And throws him into this room that houses the mechanisms for the cable cars, and also, by extension, a window that, like, controls the cable for the cable car. And the silliest bit about it is, he locks him in that room without first confiscating his pockets. Gotta get that Omega shot, though, by the way. Bond's standing there, he's in the fucking thing, looks at his watch, the classic Bond Omega. We get a couple of seconds of shot of the fucking Omega. I think we have to add product placement, especially for Omega, as one of our points of remakeability for the Bond franchise. Alright, so the girls are having a Christmas party, and the Angels of Death, that is. At this point, I'm thinking, like, you gotta hand it to Blofeld. He really does things with a sense of whimsy. Like, there is no reason for him to, like, front this scene as, like, a Christmas party where the girls are all receiving Christmas <laughs> gifts. He's not even in the room. Like, there is absolutely no utility to the way he decides to do this. He just loves doing wacky villain showmanship shit, which is definitely one of our regability points. Blo- I mean, look, yes. the king of Bond villains. Of course he's going to be in the mix. Like, he has a real fucking sense of... Sense of duty to do some wacky villain shit, no question. Um, of, of course, Bond makes an escape out of the fucking hole in the room that they're giving him in by just Using climbing. his pockets. Yep, and the cable car. Yeah, the, the madman rips the fucking pockets out of his pants. So bizarre. <laughs> he escapes through the fucking hole in the wall in the room that they were trying to contain him in. Yep, by climbing along a cable. He goes in and checks in on the girls, um, who are like getting more hypno. They got these makeup cases as Christmas gifts, and so they they use their little transmitters to help them like conduct their chemical warfare. I guess he like hides in the little doorway and like like takes out a guard. The girls get away, get into a cable car, and are like going down the mountain. So Bond f- uh, finally get some skis what he was really looking for and just start skiing down the Alps followed by I guess a team of Olympic skiers and thus begins the next like 20 minutes of the film dude it's so good like I fucking I love this ski scene it was fucking S plus style rating absolutely (laughs) James Bond in this 1960s ass ski gear he's dressed like fucking Flanders in that one scene (laughs) where he's wearing the like contoured full body ski suit he's got those big goofy goggles on and he's just like zipping down the slopes this scene was actually fucking sick as hell like he's fucking obliterated some guards he's stolen some skis he's skiing away fucking real real good shit one I really like that Blofeld in addition to sending henchmen goes out by himself yeah Blofeld straps the skis on he's like oh I'm gonna catch this fucker because Blofeld is also an Olympic quality skier I suppose so it's like Bond skiing down the mountain all these dudes chasing him I fucking love environmental takedowns in chase scenes like these guards who are chasing Bond like Bond like jumps off a jump another one of the guards who's chasing him goes off the same jump and just smacks head first into a tree that is what you would call an, an unforced error committed <laughs> By this chasing guard. Definitely these guards in general, as a group, deserve an LVP nomination for being Olympic skiers who heavily outnumber a man who, by the way, loses one of his skis pretty early on and is on one (laughs) ski for the remainder of the scene. And they just either take themselves out by hitting trees or are so easily bamboozled by Bond that he's able to just, like, smack them off mountains and they tumble to their death. So... Was that the invention of the snowboard? (laughs) (laughs) James Bond, dude, yes. I will say, that one scene where Bond smacks that guy off the mountain... He falls for, for such so a long time. Long, and we watch it yeah, the whole way yeah. down. The whole like, time. He, and, and he's screaming the whole way down. He's falling down the mountain. It's like, ah! 
for about three times as long as I just did there. <laughs> yeah. And the camera's just watching him fall. And when he hits, there's such a weirdly pathetic noise. Yeah. yeah. He continues escaping. He makes his way down to the town where they're having like a Christmas pageant. He, he definitely does completely contrast his like stealth escape mission with like Probably the loudest imaginable fight scene that occurs in a in bell the factory. Bell shed? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking cracks me up. He gets into a shed full of bells and he's punching all these dudes into bells and kicking racks of bells onto people. It's a borderline musical number. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's being traced by Irma Bunt and all these other sort of people, and then he just randomly bumps into Tracy, who's like, hey, now, what's up? And oh, like, before, before he bumps into Tracy, he does bump into a man in a full-body bear costume, who Bond is yes. visibly startled by. He's like, <laughs> got a flash camera, he's laughing maniacally, yeah. it's the weirdest bear. It's Bond very actually, the Wicker Man. He actually yells. Like, yeah, Bond I think it's the goes, ah! The most afraid we yeah. see Bond in yeah. the entire film. In the entire franchise. He, bumps, yeah. he bumps into a guy in a bear suit and is visibly shaken. <laughs> and then he, he sits down. Yeah. Like, that's when he he's gives like, up. Oh, Jesus. He bumps into the bear, he sits <laughs> down, he's like, I'm done. Yeah. I can't continue. This bear has ruined me. Maybe bears are to Bond what snakes are to Indiana Jones. Like, he can do everything, but not bears. Like, not people in bear costumes, man. That fucks him right up. But then, hey, don't worry about the bear, because boom, Tracy's there. Don't ask why. She just is. She skates over to him on the ice rink and is like, hello, James. Diana Rex Machina. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, She's like, hey, I'll help you get away. They sneak over to her car and they start speeding away. She's like distracted. She's like, oh, James, it's so good to see you again. And she's like trying to lean over and smooch him. But he's like, why don't you keep my mind on your driving? A, 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 a fucking sentence which makes absolutely no sense yeah, whatsoever. No sense. I think he's like, don't distract me from paying attention to telling you off if you drive badly. Yeah, It's yeah. like the weirdest sentiment expressed yeah. in the most confusing way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, not worried about her distracting herself. Yeah, yeah. He's like, don't distract me from telling from you how telling to drive. You how to like, drive. If that's so important, why isn't he driving? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He so desperately needs to be controlling the car. And how fucking now, funny is it before that when they drive away and there's the fucking orange suited guard guy in the car and he, George Lazenby is there just like awkwardly hiding behind the collar of his jacket, <laughs> like peeking over the top of it at the guard. It's the weirdest thing. So they're driving away, and of course, we just got out of one chase scene, so it's time for another chase scene. <laughs> so they start being chased by cars now. This time it's their car against all these other cars, and Bond nonchalantly is like, drive into that crowd of people, maybe it will discourage them. And she just fucking rips <laughs> through a crowd of human beings, accidentally find themselves in a fucking motor derby, where they're like now out on a fucking course with all these other cars, like rally driving around this fucking snowbank. The car that's chasing them also gets out on the course, and it's literally like a rally racing scene. It's so hard to keep track of what's going on, though. Like, because of the way it's yeah. cut. It's and, just cut, and like, like, like literally, like, yeah, exactly. Like, the two, like, the, uh, the protagonist and antagonist cars are just, like, smashing into all these bystanders and, like, weaponizing them as well. Like, yeah. Like, the yeah. fucking race ends with, like, Tracy, like, like, bashing into this, like, little tiny, like, rally car, essentially, and, like, sending it, like, a missile into, like, into, like, um, the Herman Bunt's car. car and, like, yeah. flips it over. And, like, oh my God. And, and they're, like, laughing. It hysterically. flips over and immediately ignites, which is definitely the funniest part about this scene. It's, like, part of this, like, bizarre Hollywood thing where, like, cars turn over and just catch on fire immediately. It's, like, a recurring element. It's it's a really weird thing. What bothered me the most through the whole strange edit of it all is, like, two or three times Tracy's, like, James, how do we get out of here? Mm. He doesn't look at her when she says it. 
He just looks dead forward. He doesn't say anything for like minutes. There's like <laughs> minutes where she is repeating the question and he is not even acknowledging her as a human being. In his head, he's just sitting there with his eyes closed, whispering to himself. And then like awkwardly further down the line, he's like, we can get out there. Yeah. Like it's the weirdest edit of dialogue in the whole film. So then definitely he also does deliver some smug one-liners. Of course he does. When they get into the derby and he's like, it looks like we've hit a rush hour. Fucking so bad. Unacceptable. (laughs) Unacceptable. So, yep, they escape through like a hole in the derby track, I guess. They've left the villains behind. It's really, really snowy. The car's like window wipers are fucked and so they have to stop for the night. And they just pull into some random barn. Like some person's house with a barn with horses in it he's like oh let's go in there and they just like commandeer a barn and it seems that the people who live in the house don't notice a car drives into their barn and closes the doors <laughs> for the night but yeah they certainly do uh i mean yeah shit we get up like a romance scene here where he proposes to her he basically completely throws his hat over the fence and is like you're the only girl for me imagine the ball's to do that in the movie. To be like, we're changing up this franchise that we've made five movies with Sean Connery. Part of the movie, part of the iconic thing about the franchise is all these different girls. The first one with George Lazenby, they're like, he finds his wife. He yeah. finds Mrs. James Bond, which is what he calls her, and it's like, boom, they're gonna get married. This is it. Yeah. The Bond girl thing, it's done. It's not in the movie anymore. It's all about Tracy now. Fucking. I, I was sitting here writing notes and I was like, James Bond is in love, like character development. And they don't fuck in the barn. I wrote in all capitals as he puts her to bed, then picks up the pitchfork. I've just finished writing. He doesn't fuck in the barn in all capitals because I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And he grabs this pitchfork. It's the weirdest moment. He fucking sweeps the legs out of underneath the like shelf she's sleeping on. It topples down, tumbling her violently onto him. Yeah. It was very unnecessary. Like they go to bed, they go to sleep in separate beds, and then he's like, "Nah, fuck that!" and pulls her onto his bed. It's like I they've already like, fucked so many times. And he like, made some joke, being like, "Oh, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't um, fuck now. We should fuck on our wedding night. It's my New Year's resolution." <laughs> and then he fucking collapses the bed. She rolls onto him, and he's like, "But it's not New Year's yet." <laughs> now they're being chased again. They're on skis, the both of them. They leave all the oh. shit behind and they're skiing away. So it's, it's like ski chase, car chase, ski chase. Ski chase, ski chase foot again. chase. Yep. Car chase. Ski chase. Ski chase. Yeah. <laughs> so they're being, they're being chased. It's both him and... But this is the thing, like, overnight, she's gone to James Bond night school. She's become incredibly competent. She's an amazing skier. She and James Bond yeah. are, like, fucking skiing out of the way of these people. It's like, she is Mrs. James Bond now. Almost as if, by being invited to join his family, she's adopted some of his, like, spy traits. <laughs> she just starts making quips about butterflies. It's yeah, honestly It's horrifying. crazy. I mean, it's like yeah. she's part of the night school was caviar and butterflies. That's the final exam. Uh, Blofeld does... Okay, no, okay. Oh, we definitely have to address the fact. Oh, it's bad. The one-liner, or...? No, I was going to say, the guy who... Yeah, well, after, yeah, the one-liner after it. The guy... There's one of the men in orange suits falls into... A snow wood chipper? A snow chipper, I it's guess? It's weirdest. I put snow blender yes. question mark? Like, what is this? <laughs> snow plow, I suppose. Yeah. And it sprays, like, red snow, like, out for, like, fucking... Like, we get, like, long shots of this thing. The guy screams, and it's, like, like, spraying all this shit And out. his friends are, like, ski jumping over it, like, yeah, through, through his remains. Yeah, absolutely. And then Bond just fucking looks at fucking Tracy and is like, he had a lot of guts. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> he has no regard for human life. <laughs> so Blofeld definitely does cause an avalanche yeah. with a single flare, which is like, one, very impressive. Two, I think definitely qualifies as an inventive assassination attempt. Yeah, which is yeah, something I that has been missing from this movie. All the assassination attempts at Bond so far have just been dudes with guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas they're like, let's crash a mountain down on him. <laughs> and I love that Blofeld like witnesses this avalanche that has consumed James Bond and Tracy mm-hmm. and he's like oh well that grave is probably deep enough that even James Bond won't crawl out of it let's not then bother checking sees Tracy on top of the snow yep and it's like oh we'll get her yep. and let's leave and yep. it's like he's just been like no way anyone would survive that avalanche. Oh, she did. Bring her with us. Yeah. Let's go. Let's and not like, investigate if Bond's still alive. Also, why does he even want Tracy? Like, what? what is Tracy to him? She's, like, meaningless as far I mean, as I mean, I think we concerned. see later in the film, it, he just, he thinks she's hot. But, like, at this point where he sees her in the snow, like, he can't know that. He's literally just like, oh, grab that girl. Not sure why. We're trying <laughs> to kill Bond. Just pick, just pick her up. <laughs> It's like, bring it back I to guess her. maybe he's like no loose ends. Yeah, like bring bring it back to headquarters. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. But like they've literally never met. It's yeah. not like this was a thing earlier. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Like she's she plays no part in this story as far as Blofeld is concerned. To be fair, like she might have an allergy, and so like how could he be <laughs> looking at her? <laughs> he needs to find out. Oh Jesus! Right now we get M explaining Blofeld's demands and his plan. He's like M's on the phone, I guess to Blofeld, <laughs> and like he hangs up and is like. Yeah, we're going to cave in and give him his demands. And Bond's like, what are his demands? And he's like, he wants amnesty from all past crimes. And he also wants to become Count Blochamp. <laughs> like, yeah. He's so but that's obsessed his, with that's that. That's his price. He's like, like I'm going to do this. Like I, Everything I've done in the past is all cool. And also, I'm the Count now. I am the Count. It's really important you to me that to I am the Count. Count Blochamp. Yes, absolutely. Bond's like, oh, well, we have to stop him. And M's like, no, this is a good deal for us. Like, we save the world. He doesn't get... We don't have to give him anything. We just, like, give him a title. And, uh, fucking, yeah, sounds like a good deal. And Bond's, like, not having it. So he goes to team up with Draco and the Portuguese mob. And he's, like, again, <laughs> going off book, not on Her Majesty's Secret Service, running a private fucking operation to bring down Blofeld. Because he's got a fucking boner for bringing down Blofeld. He won't be stopped. They, they get some choppers and they're heading up to uh, Piers Gloria. Man, I fucking really dug this scene where, like, they're riding up in the choppers. I was just imagining, like, Fortunate Sons blaring in the background. There's this fucking, like, elite crack team's fucking heading in yeah um fucking Blowfield's up there trying to seduce Tracy and yeah. like basically yeah. be like you you could be uh my countess, countess. she's like I'm already a countess um and it's around yeah. this time that we get some like radio transmissions from the choppers who have like been noticed by Blowfield's men at which point Draco just like fucking nails this delivery of just being like oh, hey so we're, we're we're like a Red Cross. We're on a mercy flight and that sort of thing. And they're like, no, go back to Zurich and like, like your registration isn't here. And like, he just bluffs his way through this whole yeah. exchange where it's he gets Blofeld. <laughs> yeah. Like Blofeld's like whole air force, like, oh, leave them the fuck alone. Um, at which point Tracy obviously recognizes the voice of her own father. And so yeah. as to like keep things running smoothly is like, actually Blofeld tell me more about your offer and like sits down on the couch he sits down next to her and is like yes excellent immediately unzips his suit and like tries to fuck there and then 
And like, yeah. and then she's like, oh, no, no, let's go upstairs. And he's like, oh, you won't have me here? Fair. And it's like, yeah, he's like, like you oh, you want to go to a different outlook? Yeah. <laughs> I will say, it's I will wild. say, that that mo- movement aside, in general, when he's walking around this room, Blofeld exudes so much swagger. Like, he totally. just fucking walks around, like, just fucking, I mean, he nails it. You're right, the actor absolutely nails Blofeld in this scene. Mm, that's right, the helicopters are all up at the mountain. Uh, as gorgeous, Tracy's, gorgeous shots. Yeah, These fucking, and the helicopters at dawn. And that dirty, nasty bass line drops in. Yes. yes. And, like, at this point, like, this scene, the remainder of this movie is actually so fucking good. Mm. Like, the last, like, 15 minutes of, like, action here is so hype. Like, it's literally, like, James Bond at the head of a private army raiding, like, a Swiss Alp mountaintop base to save his girlfriend and stop Blofeld. Like... And it all basically <laughs> kicks off with Bond's best stunt in the whole film, which is why I brought up the curling before. Okay. Yes. Because Thank he gets you, out of the helicopter and amongst this like paramilitary force running and gunning towards them, he runs and slides... On his tummy, across the landing, like firing, while firing his gun. It's he is so sliding good. along the ground on his stomach, firing his gun. Like it's nuts. Meanwhile, we've got like Draco's people are going to go in. They've got like detonation charges because I guess Bond at least thought like if he was going to go against orders and do this, he may as well blow up the lab and save the world in the process. <laughs> and so like they're trying to get in the lab yeah, to really lay down good. dynamite. There's a dude with a flamethrower, yeah, like fucking flame Hank Scorpioing them, yeah. trying to keep them from getting into the lab. And like just after the flamethrower, like yeah. Bond goes around a corner and there's a scientist throws a fucking huge thing Smoking of acid at him. purple beaker. Yeah, like it's, it's fucking... like it just ratchets up yeah. like to a thousand. That's what I mean. Like this scene was so good. Like it's peak. Bond. It's like Bond with an army. Yeah, he invading... a secret control yeah. map. Like he's invading the villain's base. There's like flamethrowers and acid bombs yeah. and shit. It's he, so he gets sick. he gets intel. He gets intel on all the like the, the angels of death and where their base. So like like it, it's but basically like he like just completely nails it. Um. Uh. Then Draco gets uh, Tracy outside oh and is like, God. "All right, dude." Time to go. Let's get out of here. She's like, I'm not going without James. And he's like, no, no, no. You have to come now. James will be fine. She's like, no, I refuse to go. And he's like, ugh. And then, like, punches his daughter in the face, knocking her out. Knocks her clean out. Yep. And then, I'm not sure. I didn't get the line he says, but, like... It's just like he's just kind of like oh, these things happen when you kill children, and then like puts yeah. her in the helicopter and like fucks off, and it's just like All right, I will also how- say we should not gloss over the fact that prior to that happening, Tracy was a complete fucking badass. Like she was being like attacked by dudes like whilst this break was going on, and she just straight ices this one dude. Yeah. She escapes from this she other guy, smashes those two bottles, yeah, and just yeah. fucking people up. People with smash if you're bottles. You're in a bar fight. You want Tracy? Yeah, on the side. she pushes a dude into mysteriously placed spikes. Yeah, <laughs> the spike art. It's just yeah. like, oh, this piece of artwork is spikes on the wall. It's just like <laughs> kills a dude. Like she's fucking doing work, and then like yeah. Bond comes in and is like, oh, Tracy, good to see you. Get her out of here. And, like, they take her out of the helicopter and that's when that happens. I gave her an MVP for fucking just cutting yeah. dudes up with glass bottles. That was hard as hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And, like, it had been such a nice turnaround with her and her father because she looked so happy when he was doing his, like, smooth talking over the radio. Yeah. She was like, oh, daddy's come to save me. And yeah, like, yeah. had such a happy face on her. Uh, such a happy look on her face. And now, like, out to the chopper, just boom. Yeah, it's just fucked. Up. It's, like, such a reversal of, like, the repair of their relationship. It's true. And, like, meanwhile, like, the reason that she didn't want to go is because the bombs are going to blow in five minutes and Bond's still inside because Bond and Blofeld are having their final showdown. Like, they're shooting at each other and running through the headquarters. Like, Bond's chasing Blofeld. They eventually both get outside, like, just in time. Before they do, literally, like, straight off the back, it's, like, 
like in a row, bam, it's like the flamethrower, the acid bomb, the secret control map, and then he is pursuing Blofeld through a fucking ice dungeon, yeah. runs out of ammo in his fucking SMG or yeah, whatever, yeah. whips out his classic little fucking PP7 or yeah. this little pistol, and it's just this insanely classic, yeah. just like it's- PP7 in hand, nothing else, pursuing a fucking bald Machiavellian villain through ice tunnels. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, it's, I wrote this scene is, is ultimate Bond. Like, this is yeah. peak, peak Bond. Then, to cap it off, like, they get out of the facility just in time, it all blows up, and Blofeld makes his getaway in a fucking bobsled. <laughs> it's so nuts! <laughs> get in my bobsleds and bobsled down the mountain. Uh. So now we get a bobsled chase. It's like, you couldn't have wished for a more Bondy final interaction between Bond and Blofeld. Like, which is part of why I'm like, oh, after this movie, like, yeah, sure, it's a little bit slow to get going. The back half of it, and especially the end, is so fucking good, at least as a Bond movie, that I'm like, why didn't they give Lazenby more to do? Because mm. this is fucking so sick. Anyway, they're fucking having a big chase in this bobsled track. It's fucking grenade. Yeah, Blofeld drops a grenade, it blows Bond's sleigh up, he tumbles out into the snow, gets up, runs across the snow, jumps back down into the part of the track that's, like, around a corner where Blofeld's bobsled's going, he's hanging off the back of Blofeld's sled and shit they end up fucking punching the shit out of each other on the sled and then what's that? Environment takedown because Blofeld gets nailed by a low hanging tree branch and Low's critically blind. injures his neck yes exactly yeah. this is important which to is plot important Bond straight up hits him with the old he's branched off except not but it should have been I mean that yeah, that's what he says yeah no but it could have just been the end oh, of the movie there. oh yeah 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 instead Instead, he gets up in the snow, there's a dog there, and Bond's like, haha, bring me some brandy, dog. And the dog runs away, what? assumedly to get him brandy. He doesn't say, get me some brandy. He said, the dog is looking at him, he says verbatim, never mind that, go and get the brandy, the five-star Hennessy, of course. Yes. He's like, ordering a specific brandy to a dog. Yeah, and the dog does run away, as if He's to like, go get the brandy. Oh, I know where the Hennessy yeah. is. Okay, so Bond's got away, and he buys a very ostentatious, and if you ask me, pretty poor taste wedding ring. Uh, and then there's a wedding scene. It's fucking... I couldn't believe it. I was watching them getting married. I was just like, what? Yeah, they're actually going to get married. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's literally becoming Mrs. James Bond. And that does happen. And M's there, and Draco's there, and M and Draco having a chat where he's like, ah, oh, M, good to see you. Remember that time in the fucking... Mountains of Ural, where you killed three of my best men. And he's like, Ah, oh, remember that time you robbed all those banks? Ah, oh, classic. Anyway, happy wedding. <laughs> like, Money Penny is heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very mo- silly wedding scene. It's actually the shot of like Money Penny looking at James is genuinely quite crushing. Like, yeah. And then he throws her his hat. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, she's just a hat stand to him. I don't understand why Money Penny <laughs> is so hung up on Bond. He's such a tool. Also, can we can it with the joke about Money Penny being government property? Because that is not the first time that they've made that joke. Like, yeah. what's the joke? When, when, like, he throws the, the hat at her before they drive away, and, like, M's like, oh, classic Bond misusing government property. And, like, he's talking about Money Penny. They've made that joke. I thought he was talking about the hat. I mean, that was the direct reference, but like in the past, I think in Doctor No at one point, he's like, Money Penny's like, oh, are we going out tonight? And he's like, oh, I couldn't possibly money, uh, money Penny. And, and, and she's like, oh, why not? And he's like, I'd be written up for misusing government property. It's like, you can't just keep using Dear that same man. joke about Money Penny being government property. It's not, it's not good. 
Anyway, everyone seems really chill about Bond running an illegal self-organized mission with another criminal organization to save his girlfriend. They're legitimately thrilled by it. Yeah, they're just like, ah, oh, classic yeah. Bond. Can't believe you've done it again. Well done, mate. Uh, happy wedding. Q shows up for the first time in the movie, or other than the opening credits, yeah. and he's like, hey, you should let me give you some gadgets sometime, Bond. And Bond's like, no, Q, I've got the gadgets this time, and I know how to use them. Like, literally just, like, lampshading the fact that, like, there's no gadgets in this movie. He knows about butterflies, he knows about caviar, and now Q's like, how about gadgets? And he's like, I know about gadgets. Like, come also on. just, like, addressing the fact that there's no gadgets yeah. in the movie at all. Like, yeah. just, like... Did Lazenby just insist on there being none? Like, he was, like, not into it? Or Anyway, anyway, let's just get to it. Bond and Tracy drive away in their car. They're very, very happy. Bond pulls over on the side of the road to get all the fucking newlywed flowers off the car because he doesn't want to look like a fucking idiot. And then a car rolls by. In the back seat, Irma Bunch with a machine gun. In the front seat, Blofeld wearing a neck brace. They do a drive-by shooting of Bond's car and kill Tracy, and Bond survives. Bond, like, immediately loses his mind as well. Like, like is he, he even has a psychotic break. He just, sits like, down shot. in the car before he even notices she's been shot. Yeah. Starts talking to her, then turns to look at her. She's dead. She collapses. I, I guess a cop, like a bike cop, rolls up, and Bond's just like now this gentleman's role. I was uncertain of because I was like, is he part of the party? Is he one of Blofeld's guys? And the guy doesn't yeah. say anything. He just looks yeah. at James Bond and is sad. Yeah. And James is just like, she's fine. She's just having a rest. Uh, we're, we've got all the time in the world. We're gonna be together. Oh, oh. and then the film just ends. <laughs> <laughs> You've made it through this episode of Shaken Not Stirred. I hope you've got a martini in hand, and I hope you shook it nice. Uh, definitely didn't stir it, because that would be illegal. If you enjoyed it, you should go check us all out on the internet, in the places that we exist. You can check out the Curio Network by putting those two words into your favourite social media platform, uh, and it should pretty much pop up. Or still interested specifically at the worst Twitter handle of all time, SI Curio Show, because still interested was taken. Uh, you can get me specifically on Twitter, at McAllister. Uh I'm at Jack underscore usage and uh t do you have a, a little handle you want to throw out you do have a twitter handle my now. twitter handle t's recently on twitter if you're listening to what, this what is my twitter handle yeah I'll, I'll find it for you t finally got twitter you can tweet me <clears throat> yeah if you're listening to this and you like t go follow him on twitter i uh, also listen to hw late it's really really good although i think literally everyone who listens to this podcast also listens to hw late so <laughs> thomas owen is mr <laughs> tm owen just completely jacking my twitter handle yep. Yeah. yeah yep. well there you go i nicked your twitter handle you did you nicked my tweet all right well there you go you've heard it now and now it's time for us to go all right boys I want to talk about MVPs. I'm torn because I think Daddy Radio Panther was incredible, but he does then just punch his daughter clean in the face. Yeah, okay. And so... Yeah, yeah. I've got also, I've got the, I mean, a few more minor ones, my 15 minutes of fame guys, uh, the 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 Stylin boy with the pockmarked face who worked for Draco who kidnapped Bond. I've got the fucking time traveler from the fucking 2018 that's going to be killed in the next Idris Elba movie. And I've got Tracy. Tracy for fucking fucking up those dudes after her James Bond night school. Yeah. I do think there's something worth noting about, like, over the course of the franchise, though. Of all the Bond girls, only one of them gets married to James Bond. That is true. Tracy has some credentials there. I mean, she definitely also she's... is, like, competent, obviously goes to James Bond night school and becomes a spy herself. 
and like, also is Elena like, Tyrell. Yeah, that's a, that's a strong a resume. Sell, at least to me, only character in this film who's giving her a real run for her money is MVP Acid Bomb Scientist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Acid Bomb Scientist, dude. That's commitment. was he just standing around with a waiting for full of acid? Yeah, like I'm thinking Tracy. All right, I'm glad we agree because yeah. it is clearly Tracy. I think Tracy. Let's talk about yeah, LVPs. Great. I've got. The editor for the various, various <laughs> yeah. shitty shots. Uh, I've got Money Penny for belligerently refusing to do her job in a way that means that James Bond gets to keep his job. The entire group of henchmen who just got environmentally taken down, and that is it. I kind of like the editor as the LVP, just because, like, like there are just some real janky like choices being thrown in. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there is absolutely nothing more pervasively bad about the movie than the editing. <laughs> So, so maybe there is something to be said about that. Maybe it's all of us for deciding to continue to support this garbage franchise. Yeah, maybe we're the LVPs. I'm sorry, T, to bring you on to label you of this. Oh, I saw some trivia at some point when okay. you were scrolling some page. Go on. Um, the grumpy lady who lies in the bed to prank James Bond died three days after this film premiered. Oh, no way. From a heart attack. Oh, that's kind of sad. Oh, wh- yeah. what, Irma? Yeah. yeah. There are many reasons why George Lazenby only made one appearance as James Bond. According to the DVD documentary, here are some of the main reasons. One, Lazenby's youthful cockiness rankled Albert R. Broccoli's nerves. One incident <laughs> mentioned is Lazenby skiing down the slopes on his own, resulting in the broken arm, and the moment of arrogance on Lazenby's part that spoiled a cast and crew party. Okay, not, not going to be specific there. Wow, so he definitely did break his arm. Two, the notoriously harsh British tabloids writing up unfavourable stories about Lazenby and how he fails to measure up to Sean Connery, thereby swaying public opinion against the movie before it was even released. Oh. One incident cited by Lazenby was during an interview with a reporter in the commissary in which Diana Rigg jokingly yelled across the room, I'm having garlic for lunch, darling. I hope you are too. This led to an article in which Rigg supposedly hated Lazenby so much that she eats garlic before love scenes. <laughs> <laughs> believed that the Bond series was over in the wake of the more sophisticated films like The Graduate and Easy Rider oh, and the tuxedo clad secret agent was out of touch with the newly liberated 70s he mentioned to his agent that he wasn't sure if he wanted to play Bond again even before the film was released the producers heard this and were none too pleased Lazenby had been offered a seven picture deal and had signed a letter of intent to star in Diamonds of Forever he'd even been paid an initial fee installment which he later refunded although some claim the film was a box office failure it was in fact a huge hit, recouping more than ten times its cost and becoming the second highest grossing film of the year. Alright, this is amazing. During the filming at Piz Gloria, the cast and crew received their per diems in cash. Upon seeing George Lazenby with a suitcase full of cash, Telly Savalas, Blofeld, invited him to a late night poker game that he regularly held with crew members and promptly relieved Lazenby of having to carry so much extra weight. Upon hearing this, Harry Saltzman visited the location, joined the game over Savalas's protest, and won back Lazenby's money. He then informed Savalas that he was not to victimise his boy again. <laughs> Holy shit! Like a real James Bond Blofeld poker game. Sits down that, at the fucking that table. Is, that is basically that is the scene from that the start of the film, film that yep. you guys did. Yep. The um the Goldfinger, it's where true. he's like, "You're gonna give that guy back his money." Yeah. <laughs> Holy Saltzman shit. is Bond. Oh Jesus! Bond passes a janitor in Draco's headquarters. The man can be heard oh! whistling the Goldfinger 1964 theme. That's why the janitor was whistling the Goldfinger theme. That's why the camera stayed on it for so long. What the fuck? That's so weird. 
Avenger. That's right after they've obliterated the fourth wall already. Jesus. <laughs> Dude, you were right, T. Otherwise. George Baker provides the voice of Bond 007 when he's pretending to be Sir Hillary Bray. They dubbed it over. What? You fucking pre trivia that. Yeah. Precondition. Fucking hell. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. Sir Hillary Bray. Boom. They yeah. totally fucking dubbed it. Because I noticed Man. it in the scene with him. Lazenby starts to do his impression and I'm like that's just the same fucking voice I'm like that's not an impression that is the same man who he is talking to right now that means like all the fucking creepy shit he says about his balls like have a look at my balls that's all that's all the actual nerd talking (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's your problem (laughs) he would never Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>